Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on July 18th, 2021, during our Sunday morning service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday school at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service for adults and the youth group at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. One of the marks of maturity is the ability to assess value, the ability to recognize value. I'm not just talking about financial value, although that certainly is true as well. There are things I don't let my son play with yet because of the value of those things, the cost that it would involve to replace them if they got broken. Eventually, he'll be able to have those things and experience those things. But right now, he doesn't understand the value. Now, I'm not just talking, though, about financial value. One of the marks of maturity is to understand the value of time, the value of family, the value of relationships in general, the value of God's Word. There are many, many things that God has given to us, that God has blessed us with, and we have them. And sometimes we even begin to experience them, but we don't recognize the value of the gifts that God has already given to us. And here in Ephesians chapter 1, we have in this study been looking at the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Let's look again at these verses, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then he begins to reveal to us some of the blessings that we have that we get to experience in Christ, that we forget because of immaturity, we forget the value of them. And Paul wants us to recognize the extreme value of these blessings that God has given us. According, verse 4, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, 
being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, let's stop there for a moment. Next week, Lord willing, we'll have communion service. We'll also spend some time unpacking verses 13 and 14, talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, the awesome gift of God himself living inside of us, uh, being willing to fill us and empower us and produce his fruit in us and through us. Over the last several weeks, we've already looked at four, uh, four or five of these blessings. We've talked about, for example, election, what it means to be chosen by God in Christ, not chosen to be in Christ, but in Christ we are chosen for service. We've talked about predestination, as we'll revisit again today, that it is the Father's revealed will to predestinate all who are in Christ. Now again, not to become children, but as children, we're predestinated to the adoption of children, which Romans 8.23 tells us is the, quote, redemption of our bodies in the resurrection. The hope that when we die, we won't even, as Jesus promised, that when we believe in Him, we won't even see death. We won't even look at death. We'll look right past death, and we'll go right into the presence of Jesus, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But even that is not the end because there's a day coming when the Lord will resurrect all of His saints with resurrection bodies, glorified bodies. That's what we have been predestinated to. Number three, we have talked about the acceptance of sonship, that in Christ, in the beloved, we are beloved as God's children, God loves you if you are in Christ today. If there, was a, if there was a time in your life when you recognize that you are a sinner who could not save himself or herself, and you confessed your sin to a holy, righteous God, and one moment you're bound for hell, but because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross, His payment for your sins, His, his shed blood to pay for your sins, His resurrection, you have now turned from your sin, repented, trusted in Jesus Christ. You have been forgiven of your sins. Now you have eternal life in Jesus Christ and you are a child of God and you are accepted. You're not working for acceptance. You're not hanging on to acceptance. You are accepted as a child of God in the beloved. If you're not in Christ, you're not accepted by God, but you can be. And you can have also, as we talked about last week, number four, redemption and forgiveness. I went ahead and put those two together because they go hand in hand. Freedom from the power of sin because we have been released from the penalty of sin. And how have we been released from the power and penalty of sin? By the power and payment of the blood of Jesus Christ. Shed for you. Shed for us. And, and John says, First John Chapter 2, verse 2, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. 
So we have these incredible blessings. Do I recognize the value of them? Not like I will. Not like I will when I'm with him, but more than I used to. More than I used to. And so wherever we are, we want to grow in our appreciation for the value of these gifts. Now, Lord willing, today we are going to look at three more of the gifts. We've, we've already, uh, uh, months ago now, did an overview of these blessings. Now we're working our way back through them. Today we're going to look at three spiritual blessings in Christ that, again, many times we have them, but many times we, we do not recognize the incredible value of these blessings. And today we're going to be talking about mystery, unity, and legacy. Mystery, unity, and legacy. Let's look again at verses 8 and 9. Wherein, because of God's grace, the payment of sins that, through which we have redemption and forgiveness by His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. Here's the first blessing I want you to, um, uh, to focus in on today that I want to emphasize today. Number five, though, in the list that we've started. All in Christ have access to revealed wisdom. All in Christ, if you are in Christ today, God has wisdom that has been revealed to you, revealed for you. All, notice again, all wisdom and prudence Specifically regarding here the mystery of his will concerning the fullness of times. A few months ago on Sunday nights, we went through the book of Galatians together. Let me remind you, and for those of you who weren't part of that, what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. He says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them, that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Jesus Christ did not come a minute or day late when, the, when he came the first time. He came in the exact moment in all of history, the perfect moment in history for him to fulfill his mission to live a sinless life, to die a substitutionary death, shed his blood to pay for the sins of all mankind, and to raise from the dead. And then, on Pentecost, to send the Holy Spirit to give birth to the church. It came at the exact right moment, at the exact right time. And make no mistake, when he comes back, for his church, it will be at the exact right time. It will not be a day early or a day late. He will come back when it is the perfect time to come back. And we have wisdom into this great mystery of God's timing. It's why we've spent so much time on Sunday nights the last few months looking at the gift of prophecy. Prophecy. 
Many Christians want nothing to do with prophecy. Many Christians dismiss it. In fact, many Christian leaders today say, don't talk about prophecy. It's divisive. Well, truth is divisive. Truth is always divisive. But the Apostle Paul commands us in 1 Thessalonians, despise not prophecy. Because it's a gift of God and it gives us great wisdom into the timing of God and God's plan. Now, when we talk about wisdom, let me remind you of a few things. Number one, God's wisdom is offered to all. We don't have, I know some people talk about, um, in fact, I heard a friend of mine just say this just the other day and uh, love him, but I don't agree with this. We don't have family secrets here. There are not doctrines that are just, shh, don't tell people until you become a Christian and you get indoctrinated for a while and then you can hear about the family secrets. There is no family secrets. This is available to anyone. This is offered to you, whether you're a Christian or not. The wisdom is revealed and offered to you, but you must believe it to receive it. There are some things that you're not going to be able to grasp until you take that step of faith. You must believe to really receive. It's offered to you. There are no family secrets. We're not hiding anything. We don't have level. We're not Gnostics here. We don't have levels of truth. Like you got to accept this initiation level. And then when you, when you've been in the club and you paid a certain amount of of dues, then we're going to give you the real truth. And then you get to the next level as you pay more and more money to the church. Then we're going to give you the real truth. That's not how we do things here. That's not how God has designed it. Wisdom is offered to all of us, but it's got to be believed to be received. And, and listen, it also has to be obeyed to be conveyed. If you want wisdom, God will give it to you, but you better practice it or you're not going to get the benefits of it. There is no benefit to knowing and not doing. When I was a kid, I used to watch a G.I. Joe cartoon. Every time it came on, one of my favorite cartoons, knowing is half the battle. Every time the episode would end, there was always this little PSA at the end, and G.I. Joe would say, one of the Joes would say, knowing is half the battle. Listen, you need to know before you can do, but if you, if you just know and you don't do, what does James say? You, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, because if you hear the word, and you know the word, but you don't do it, you're, a, you're deceiving yourself. And Paul says it in this, this way in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, knowledge by itself puffeth up. It makes me think that I'm right with God because of how much I know about God. It makes me think that I'm right with God because of how much I know about God's word. But if I'm not practicing it, I can have all of this mystery revealed to me. I can have these things revealed to me by God. But if I'm not putting them into practice, it doesn't benefit me. So as a child of God in Christ, I have access to incredible wisdom. I have access to truths about history, to truths about prophecy, about the future, things that are going to happen, that I can get prepared for those things that are going to happen. Forewarned is forearmed, it's been said. I think that was Cervantes who said that. So, you know, what are you doing about it? That's the first thing I want to emphasize. That's really what Proverbs is all about. In our Sunday school class, uh, in my Sunday school, our, uh, our Sunday morning Bible study class is, is now what we're calling, we've re 
um, named Sunday School to more emphasize what we're doing, Sunday morning Bible study. In my, in my Bible study class, we're going through the book of Proverbs and we're looking at the importance of valuing wisdom, but then not just knowing it, but putting it into practice. Number two, the gospel was a mystery to the saints of old. And it remains a marvel to the angels above. Now, I want you to think about those two, two truths for a moment as I turn to 1 Peter, where Peter tells us that. I want you to think about that for a moment. Do you recognize the value of what you know and of what God has given you and what God has revealed? Listen to what, what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. He talks about, in verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And of this gospel, Peter says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which is, was in them did signify when it testified, when he testified before him the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The truths that you have, what you are holding in the, in the new covenant, we're not in any ways minimizing the importance of the old covenant. In fact, Peter is saying that the old covenant was written for us as well, that we get value out of the old covenant. But do you realize that what Daniel wrote was written for you and Daniel wished that he had the understanding about it that you now have? That what Jeremiah wrote and grieved over, he wrote it because the Holy Spirit gave him insight and God spoke to him and through him and then he would look at his own prophecies and go, God, what, is, what does this mean? What is, what's going to happen? And he didn't understand it the way that you and I understand it. And if that wasn't enough, even in the present Peter says the angels are looking down and they're watching. I don't know. I don't know what the saints in heaven have access to seeing. I don't know that they're all that interested even in what's going on in this world right now. But the angels are interested. The angels are watching us. The angels are invested in the gospel and in seeing how Jesus Christ transforms people's lives when they repent of their sin and receive forgiveness and gives them the Holy Spirit, and brings them into His family. It is, I mean, we, we get, I'm not saying you shouldn't watch television. I mean, I watch TV shows and stuff. But we get entertained by such trivial stuff. We get entertained by such trivial, nothing wrong with it, all things in moderation. But what are they watching? They're not watching CSI. They're not, the angels aren't in heaven going, oh, I wonder what's on, you know, how, which CSI are you watching this week? Well, you know. They're not interested in the stuff that interests them. They're not watching sitcoms. They're interested in people getting saved. They're interested in lives being transformed. That's what amazes them. That's what fascinates them. We have incredible, incredible privilege in being able to hear about the gospel and hear about what God has done, not only in His first coming, but what God is going to do in his second coming. Remember, we've talked about this before. Hebrews chapter uh, 8, 9, 10. Colossians talks about this. The, 
the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, all they had were models and shadows of what we now look at. We look back at the cross. We look back at God Himself, the Son of God. He came unto His own. He took on flesh. He lived not just as a man, but He is a man and God. And He died for us. And He rose again. The greatest epic story in all of history that our Creator would be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And we hear the story so much that it becomes white noise too often. That we, that, that we lose that wonder of the Gospel. They had shadows. They had models. They had a sacrificial system. And those models and shadows served a purpose. And they have value. But we have the reality that we look back on now. We have the reality. And the light of these revelations, number three, should give us a lively hope. Peter talks about this lively hope in 1 Peter again, chapter 1, verse 3, when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope. Not a hope-so hope, but a I am living by this hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. What a reality check. What a blessing to know these things and to receive them. And this blessing of grace, number four under this point, is according to to His good pleasure and purpose. This is, his, this is the way that He decided He wanted to do it. The Gospel is His idea. The idea that Jesus Christ would die not just for some people, but all people is His idea. is His plan. And the fact that it doesn't fit into your theological system doesn't mean you get to change the truth to fit your system. The fact that you don't like the idea, you don't understand, you don't understand how Jesus could die for everybody and not everybody be saved, doesn't mean you throw out the truth to fit your theology. This is how God wants to do it. This is how God expresses his sovereignty. God, express, God has chosen to express His sovereignty. This is John chapter 6, which we looked at a few weeks ago. That God has chosen that it is His will to pay for the sins of all mankind and to offer forgiveness and eternal life to everyone. And then those who receive His grace by faith to be placed into Christ and to get all these blessings. That's His will. That's how He wants to do it. That's how He has chosen to express His sovereignty, by extending the offer. This is why He has called us to go everywhere, to take the gospel everywhere, to preach the gospel to every creature, to make disciples of all nations. This is His will, His plan. Don't try to redefine these revelations so that you can better understand them. If you can't understand them, that's okay. That's okay. 
Just accept them, believe them, confess them, walk by faith. There are things in the Bible that I don't understand how that fits together, how that works. The Bible is way bigger than my brain. God's revelation is way, way bigger than mine. But here's what I do know. As I grow in Christ and, and mature in Christ, I'm going to be able to understand more. It's going to make more sense. And when I see him, I'll be like him, for I'll see him as he is. And that hope purifies me here and now because he is pure. 1 John chapter 3. So all in Christ have access to revealed wisdom. We have access. Let's spend some time in it. Let's spend some time contemplating it. But what does that wisdom bring us to? It brings us to number six, the number six blessing. All in Christ have unity with God and each other. I know what some of you are thinking. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Unity with each other? I get the unity with God part. We have unity with each other. Well, let's, let's look at it again. Ephesians Chapter 1, the mystery of his will, verse 9, which he purposed himself, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now, this, in one sense, is about the day when we when the Lord himself descends from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, trump of God, and we're all one in Christ together, sinless, perfect, glorified. That is part of what Paul is talking about here. But what Paul is going to do is he's going to take this truth because the reality is, even though we are not experiencing that one, oneness yet, we have that oneness. We have that oneness. Got to see... Uh, my family last week, they were here. Uh, those of you who are here uh, got to see uh, mom and dad and, and Ben and Marcy, Parker, Brady, Max. Uh, my family, my, my parents I get to see f- somewhat frequently. They only live a, about an hour and a half from our house. My sister and her family I, I very rarely get to see, you know, maybe a couple times a year because they, they live so far away. Doesn't mean they're not my family. Doesn't mean I don't love her with all my heart, love them with all my heart. They're still my family. We hardly ever get to see my, my wife's family because uh, not only do they live up in Canada, but uh, because of COVID and travel restrictions, things that it's just changed. We haven't been able to see them. Doesn't mean they're not our family. Doesn't mean that we don't love them. Doesn't mean that we, can't, we don't wish that we could be with them and spend time with them. We're just separated by distance and by restrictions and other things right now. But we're still family. We're not any less family. We don't love them any less because of our inability to be together. So we're not with all of our loved ones right at the moment. Some of our loved ones have gone on ahead of us. Some of our friends have gone on ahead of us. We're, We're not able to experience that oneness. But it's a reality that should impact how we live here and now. Because the truth of the matter is, since we're all still struggling with sin and we have conflict with our brothers and sisters. And listen, my sister and I, when we were grow- growing up, we had conflict. We had conflict. She was selfish. No, I'm kidding. I was selfish. I was the older one, right? I was the older brother. I'm the one who's supposed to set the standard. Um, reality is we, were, we both had our moments. We both had our moments. We, ha- we have conflict here. We ha- every church has conflict. Every group of believers have conflict. 
We, we do because we're sinners. One, one of the major themes that we're going to see as we run through this book is Paul's development of this idea that we have unity and so we need to act like it. We need to act like it. Now, this present unity comes not simply through Christ, but in Christ. It does, it's, Christ isn't just unifying uh, us all whether we come to him or not. He's saying that in, when we are in Christ, when we trust him by faith and place our faith and trust in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is when we get unity. Amen. That's the only way we get unity. That's the only way. So, yes, we're going to spend a lot of time as we go through this book talking about as brothers and sisters and, and, and as family how we can get along better and how we can do more to serve one another. But understand that true unity only comes in him. We have lots of people wasting their days trying to find unity outside of Jesus Christ, and it cannot, and it cannot happen. Amen. Oh, you can unify with a small group for a small period of time. But understand, there is no lasting unity to be found anywhere apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, unifying with some people always divides you from others. Always. And that's true whether you're talking about... Ethnicity, some people are obsessed with their ethnicity. Our ethnicity is the best. I don't want to associate with people of other ethnicity. Sometimes it's not ethnicity, sometimes it's nationality. Nothing wrong with being patriotic, as long as we understand that we are citizens of heaven. That's my, that's my number one loyalty right there, the kingdom of God. As much I'm, I, Nowhere else I'd rather live at the moment. I'm proud to, to, to be born. I'm blessed to be born with the freedoms that, that we have here as, as born as an American, American citizen, that we, we have no idea where our nation is headed. God knows. Well, we do ultimately know where it's headed. The Bible tells us where all nations are headed. But there's no lasting unity in just being proud to be an American or proud of a shared history or of a hierarchy of you know, people in our economic status. Well, I get along with people that, that are in the same strata as I am or that are, you know, they have the same ex life experience as me. They, we went to school together or we have the same job together. We, we can't base our, um, our unity on pedagogy or education. You know, where you went to school and, and nothing wrong with wearing your favorite, you know, your school colors, right? Be true to your school, right? Isn't that what the Beach Boys sang? Be true to your school. I'm older than I look. I'm not that old. I, I listen, they were, it was classics when I was a kid, but still. I'm not that old, but I am older than I look. Pedagogy, fraternity, even family. Even family, our family. Well, number one, family, a lot of times not perfect unity there either because those are the people you live with. Only in Christ, and this unity in Christ comes by being his church. Let me just kind of give you a preview of some things that we're going to begin to unpack as we go farther and farther through this book. Through the unity in Christ comes by being his church, and Paul's going to expand on this as we go through this book together. Here's what we're going to see that as the church in Christ, in Christ, we're one body. 
We're one new man, chapter 2. We're one household or family, chapter 2. We're one holy temple, chapter 2. And chapter 5, when we get there, we are one bride. We're the bride. We're the, we're the wife of Christ. We are the, right now, we're the bride of Christ, to be the wife of Christ, metaphorically speaking. And so, as I've said already, the unity of the church should lead to unity in the church. We have the same Father. We have the same Lord, Jesus. We have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. Chapter 4 says, there's one, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one Father, there's one Spirit. We should, we should be unified. We should act like it. Yes, we're not, we're not there yet where we're all perfect and we're not going to have to put up with anything because, by the way, nobody's going to have to put up with you either, right? No, you're not going to have to put up with me either because we're not going to have sin. We're not going to have flaws. And so things that I do that might irritate you aren't going to bother you in heaven. Things that you do that might irritate me, uh, not going to be a problem in heaven, but knowing that, we should change how we live here and now. We have the same mission. We're on mission together. We're, we have the same mission to preach the gospel, make disciples, focus on Jesus Christ. And that means we have the same responsibility. We have the same responsibility to serve the Lord together. We have the same responsibility to serve others together with mutual sympathy, mutual sensitivity, mutual sacrifice. Let me take you back to Philippians chapter 2 for a moment. If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy. Now this is Paul speaking, but it's also the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul, saying, fulfill my, you want to make God happy? You want to please your heavenly Father? You want to please Jesus Christ, your Lord? Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if Jesus Christ, who's going to get all the glory and all the praise, if he can humble himself and become even obedient unto death, and not just any death, but death on a cross, a brutal form of execution, a painful form of execution, then can you not... Think about other people's priorities. Can you not think? Paul's not saying that, we, that we're just all, you know, self, um, like self-haters. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just a, let somebody else make the decision. Huh? If we all do that, nobody, no, nobody's going to make any decision. That's not what he's saying at all. 
But he is saying, listen, you have your priorities, you have your insights, you have things that you think are important, but you need to also be thinking about, well, what's important to, to that person? What's important to that family? What's important to that category of Christian who has maybe different needs, different priorities? So as younger people, we need to think, what are, what are the needs of the older people? As older people, we need to think, what are the needs of the younger people? We need to be thinking about each other and not just about ourselves. Unity of the church must lead to unity in the church. And we'll be talking a lot more about that, Lord willing, as we go farther and farther into this book. And here's the, the last thing we want to highlight today. All in Christ have access to revealed wisdom, number five. All in Christ have unity with God in each other, number six. And number seven, all in Christ have a heavenly inheritance. Wow. Whereas we just read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we don't have to worry about things getting broken up there. We don't have to worry about things getting outdated up there. We don't have to worry about them getting out of style, getting replaced by something newer, better faster, stronger, easier to use. Actually, the more technology advances, it doesn't usually become easier to use, right? It, it does more, but you've got to learn how to use it and use it correctly. And but in heaven, we don't have to worry about any of that. That's why Paul in Colossians chapter 3 says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Remember, as we've said, we are now predestined to this inheritance. The moment you enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, you are predestined predestined to this. Your inheritance is coming. You say, what if I screw up? You've already been accepted. You've been predestinated to it. You've already been, you've already been forgiven of your sins. You've already been redeemed. What are you worried about? You're already accepted as a child of God. There are times when we get angry with our children. There are times when we get frustrated, when we get exhausted with our children, with our grandchildren. doesn't mean that we don't love them doesn't mean that we want to kick them out of the family, hopefully. Certainly doesn't mean that for God, who's the perfect father. He's predestinated us unto this inheritance. This predestinate, we've already talked about this, Romans chapter 8, 23. This has to deal with our resurrection. Has to deal with the resurrection that is coming. That this body, which sometimes gets exhausted, and this body, which sometimes I have sciatica issues and this body which now needs glasses especially at night when i if i'm trying to read something smaller i get turn the light up this body is going to be glorified like a seed in the ground produces a tree this body whether it gets planted or whether jesus christ comes back first and i think he's coming soon right that's not a prediction but that's a that's my conviction that he's coming back soon for us as we see all the things lining up in prophecy that 
this body is going to be fixed forever. What an inheritance. It, it involves our resurrection. It comes when, not before we receive Christ and are placed in Him, and it's determined and secured by the Father's will, not our own. Again, this is His will. You say, what if, what if I falter? Well, it's not based on your will. It's not based on your, your motivation. It's not based on your faithfulness. It's based on His faithfulness. That's how He's chosen to do it. He's already given you the inheritance. It's already secured in heaven. You don't, you're not living in it yet, but it's there. Being predestined according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. He thought about this. He knew when He saved you what you were going to be like. We never know exactly what our kids are going to be like. And those of you who have multiple kids, you know that every one of them is different. Everyone presents unique challenges. Everyone presents unique personalities. We don't know what our kids are going to be like until we have them. We don't know what our grandkids are going to be like until we have them. But God knows. And He saved you anyways. He forgave you anyways. He redeemed you anyways. He brought you into his family anyways. So when you screw up, he's not surprised. He's not wringing his hands. God knows. And yet it was his determined will from before the foundation of the world. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to redeem. I'm going to predestine anyone who comes into Christ to resurrection, home in heaven. And you know what? Sang about it earlier. We can only imagine what God has in store for us. We don't know. God hasn't revealed it yet. Paul, the Apostle Paul, I know that there's people who claim they've been to heaven and, and what I'm not gonna get into that right now, but here's what I do know. The Apostle Paul was taken to heaven and he says, I wasn't even allowed to talk about it. But trust me. But trust me. The pain that we're dealing with now, and Paul dealt with a lot of pain, a lot of rejection. A lot of physical pain, a lot of disappointment. Paul says, it's not worth comparing. Not worth comparing. Trust me, I've been there. I've seen it. What a blessing. And ultimately, this is for the praise of His glory. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. And so again, as we read in Colossians chapter 3, set your mind on things above. Do my present priorities match my eternal destiny? Do my present priorities, what I spend time worrying about, what I spend time thinking about, what I spend my money on and my time invested in, is that reflective of eternal reality for me? If not, if you don't know Jesus, you better change your eternal reality. You better repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ and His forgiveness. And I don't, I don't care what you've done. His blood has paid for it. His blood is powerful enough to wash the darkest sin away. You can be forgiven. But for those of us who have trusted in Christ's death and resurrection, we're, we've been saved. We're in His family. Our priorities don't always match our eternal destiny. And we of all people should know. Prepare for the journey you're on. If you're getting on a boat, you don't need a parachute. Probably need a life jacket. Getting on a plane... 
life jacket's not going to do you much good. Better have a parachute. God has told us where we're going. God has, he hasn't given us all the details yet, but he said, trust me, it's awesome. So are we preparing today for what is going to be forever for us as children of God? Are we living with the end in mind? I'm going to ask you to stand and, and bow your heads as we close this morning with a hymn. I don't know what you have going on in your life. If you know Jesus, maybe you just need a time of decision, whether where you're standing or here at the altar to pray, to, t- to talk with one of our deacons, one of our deacons' wives. If you don't know Jesus, we would invite you. Today could be the day for the rest of your life. You will never, never regret turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Father, thank you for the promises of your word. God, we ask as we sing this song that it would be sung from each of our hearts to you. God, that your spirit would be working even now. God, I pray if there's somebody here who does not know you, that this would be the day when they would turn from their sin and turn to the only Savior you provided, Jesus Christ. And God, for those of us who have trusted in him, God, that we would be doing work today with your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.